This is Resonate the Recruiting Daily Podcast, bi-monthly conversations on employer branding and the real scoop from expert practitioners and thought leaders coming to you from the mind of Jason Seiden. Hey, welcome to the Resonate Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Seiden. Very excited about our guest today, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert. You may have read... The crowd goes wild. (laughs) Uh, You may have read uh, his book, Utility. You might be excited to read his upcoming book, uh, How to Hug Your Haters. You may not have heard of those books, but I don't believe you live under a rock, so I'm sure you probably have. Uh, Jay, welcome to Resonate. Thanks, Jason. Delighted to be here. It is wonderful to have you, and in particular because we've got an audience largely of HR pros, recruiters. You come from the marketing side. You have an expertise that is increasingly important to the uh, to the recruiting side of the business. So before anything else, I'm curious, what's your take? What's marketing's take on HR and recruiting? Well, I, I think you, you nailed it. It's worlds that are increasingly... Uh, overlapping because you know recruiting is all about marketing the organization at this point and many of the principles that uh, marketers have adopted over the last few years content marketing social media storytelling uh, are, are now becoming uh, very very important on the recruiting side you you can't just say hey we have a company you should work here right there's got to be more nuance to that uh, it, it can't just be a, a rehashed brochure and and the uh, stock photo of, of the guy you know with the headset at the at the desk. I mean, there's just well, it can it can it can it, it just it, it doesn't should, work very well. Shouldn't be. Right. Uh, and so I, I feel like um, the best recruiters are are also very adept marketers, and that's that's not an accident. So now you have. Uh, I have all kinds of questions for you because not only is this an area where you have expertise on the marketing side, you've also been engaged on the HR side. Uh, it's a space that you've played in. You actually see a lot of companies. You've been known to dabble in investments in this side. Uh, so just to kind of help set the help set the tone for a whole bunch of questions I have around how to do this well, uh, is there are there trends that you have seen? Are there things that get you excited? Are there are there dead ends that you see recruiting and, and HR chasing that you wish they'd give give up? Well, yeah, certainly, as I mentioned, uh, recruiters have to be better at marketing, and, and, they're, and they're making that happen. But the other big piece of it is, and we're in this hyper-competitive environment now where companies are competing against one another in, in, every minute, every day uh, for attention, right? That, that you know, there's just this crazy glut of content and messaging and noise out there. And so what smart organizations are starting to do is say, well maybe the best way to spread that message isn't by buying an ad. Maybe the best way to spread that message is, is through our own team members, which not only is cost efficient, but is actually resonant psychologically. Research from Nielsen shows that uh, 91% of Americans trust recommendations from friends and family. Uh, 47% of Americans trust advertising from companies. So ultimately, the people who work for you are your best marketers. And, and what we talk to our clients about a lot is one of the goals uh, of, of marketing, and certainly marketing and HR working together, is turning your employees into volunteer marketers. And so that idea of, of pulling stories out of your workforce, of, of, of helping your workforce tell your story to their friends in social media and otherwise, word of mouth is, is a major part of what's happening today. So I have, I have a few questions for you just on that. Uh, the, the first is, it's always struck me 
is a little backwards, that companies will spend literally millions of dollars to try to convert total strangers into fans of a brand while ignoring people who actually have a vested interest in making the brand successful, right? And uh, you, you use the term resonate, which is a term that we use. It's the name of the podcast, right? When we engage with, uh, with organizations, some of the, I'm going to give you the pushback that, that we hear, and there's a few different elements. One of the pieces that we'll hear resistance to is, well, what if my employees go say something bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what if my employees go say something bad? What if they don't love the company? Yeah, sure. I have a great answer to that. I wrote about this a lot in my very first book, which is called The Now Revolution, which is all about the kind of people you want in your organization. It is very much a, a social media slash HR book. Uh, and, and even though I wrote it four years ago, it probably is more relevant today than it was the day it came out. And, and what we talk about in that book, myself and my co-author, Amber Nasland, is that if, if, um, if your employees say something weird on Twitter, you don't have a Twitter problem. You have an employee problem, right? You have a hiring problem. And, and so this, this distrust of technology and marketing creates the ultimate shoot the messenger uh, kind of scenario where mm-hmm. if somebody goes off the rails, it's technology's fault. Somehow this social media thing is the problem. It's like, no, you clearly have a, an issue with your workforce. We don't that, focus on the fact that they don't like your company. That we focus on Twitter. That requires a level of self-awareness. <laughs> right. The, and, right, and egolessness. Yes. Well, I wrote right? the book. That's why I wrote the book. Solve those problems. <laughs> so, uh, how do you? So, okay. Now you have you have you have an employee problem, uh, but the company may not may not see it that way. It may not present that way. So, from a, how do you hug your haters? Like, how do you? How does a company start to embrace uh, the employees' negative comments and start turning those into a positive? Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, you know how Glassdoor has disrupted. Uh, everything. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that that employee dissatisfaction was a secret, right? It was closeted, and sure. now it is anything but. And, and I think what what enlightened organizations do is say, while that may sting, while reading those comments may be uh, disturbing, it's also the greatest possible opportunity for self improvement we're ever going to have. I mean, you know, do you want to know problems or do you want to fundamentally ignore problems? And whether those whether those negative comments uh, are coming from employees or from customers is immaterial, right? I mean, uh, my new book, as you mentioned, Hug Your Haters, is about uh, customer service and online customer service in particular and, and things like Yelp and TripAdvisor and, and Amazon and Twitter and Facebook. But but what happens in Glassdoor is the exact same dynamic. It's 100% the same. And, and so the subtitle of that book uh, says it all, which is how to embrace complaints and keep your customers. And I think you could very easily say how to embrace complaints and keep your employees. Now, we heard you, we actually, Lisa and I, I'm a co-founder at, um, at Brand Amper, and I heard you speak at Summer Brand Camp recently. Uh, and you told a, a, a great story about a company that actually turned uh, a customer hater into a mystery shopper. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that that would be a model that you could absolutely use internally. I mean, how many companies are looking for suggestions from employees on things to fix? And, yeah. And it would just seem to me that... Put them wow. in the game. Empower them to do so, right? If somebody is taking... I mean, here's the thing you, we overlook, right? If the people who complain, the haters, if you will, are not your problem, ignoring them is. And the people who are taking their time, their own time, to log on to a website or anywhere else, suggestion box, it's a cry you know, for skywriting. help, please it's a, sky, it's a cry for help, but they're literally using their time to tell you. The people who are dangerous are not the ones that complain. The people who are dangerous are what I call the meh in the middle. 
the people who are dissatisfied or disaffected but don't even raise their hand. They don't take the time to say anything about it. That's what kills companies, not the tip of the spear who actually you know complains in public. And so you're exactly right. I'll, I'll, I'll reference back the story. Um, uh, Le Pan Quotidien is a, is a chain of about 200 uh, bakeries and cafes. They're based in Belgium, many locations in the U.S., primarily in the East. And uh, they're a very, very good company, uh, really focused on customer experience. And one of the things they do that's so smart is when they do get negative reviews on on things like Yelp or TripAdvisor, which is typically the corner of the realm for that kind of business, uh, their uh, head of customer experience doesn't respond in public, which is actually what I typically recommend. She instead responds in private using private messaging, which is typically part of all those platforms. And she says something like, uh, dear sir, uh, thank you very much for your review. Uh, of the restaurant. We are terribly sorry you had uh, this experience. Uh, but I want to tell you, sir, you are a, a discerning customer. You notice things that other people simply don't notice. That is a remarkable skill. What we'd like to do, with your permission, is send you two gift cards every month, $50 each, and I'd like you to go to a different La Quotidien location every time, and please fill out this uh, detailed survey of your experiences, because I really want to tap into what you know. And they now have over a hundred of those people right. who are secret shopping. They've turned hate into help. It strikes me that uh, lean manufacturing, the whole Toyota way, is actually built on that. It's built on actually interviewing and paying attention to employees at the end of a shift and saying, what could have been better? Yeah. What, what was your problem today? So the whole idea of hugging your haters, like it, it already exists for employees. That's um, uh, very powerful. I want to get to I want to get to another another question another piece of pushback that we'll sometimes get, uh, especially when we're talking about the power of resonance. You know, resonance is really about one-to-one relationships, uh, and this gets I think more to utility than hugging your haters. We'll hear sometimes we want to care, we don't have time to care. Yeah, you know, especially on the recruiting side, I, I got to fill X number of racks, which means I got to touch Y number of people. I need the funnel, and on the back end, yeah, I'd like to care about a, a candidate experience. But you know what? We've been sending out ding letters, and it's this generation, it's this new generation, they're too sensitive, and you know, you're supposed to take the ding letter and staple it to your wall like we did in college, <laughs> and now what, you know, what the hell's wrong with you that you're not doing that? Uh, what, what's your take on reach versus resonance? You know, when, when you want to resonate with somebody, when you want to pay attention to people, but you have this huge funnel you have yep. to build, how do you figure out which slice of that funnel gets your time and attention? Well, I don't think it's mutually exclusive, right? I don't think it's one way or the other way. And what I always tell people is the bias of your question is that somehow reach uh, is more efficient and better, that that doing it without nuance, without humanity, without customization will yield better and more efficient outcomes. And I I disagree with the premise. Um, And what I always encourage people to do, whether it's in a marketing context or a recruiting context, is say, okay, why don't you put that to the test? Why don't you carve out a small piece of what you're doing today, and let's do a test of a resonant version of this versus the sort of reach numbers game, mm-hmm. and just see what happens. You know, take five percent, take ten percent of your overall pool, do it the way you've always been doing it for ninety percent, and then test a new, better way over here, and then look at the outcomes. Because until you do that, the question is not valid. It has no, you have no ability to to actually determine whether that's true or not. You're relying on on biases which say mass is better than customization, and that's not always the case. It may be, but it may not be. Is there, are there any ideas that you have found work well from a testing standpoint on the marketing side? 
Oh sure. I mean, it, we're we're in the we're we're in the golden era of, of testing, right? Because uh, everything turns is, out social is cheap. Everything is <laughs> right. possible, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we do things like this. So let's say uh, we do a lot of consulting for big companies. Let's say we're being considered for a consulting contract. We'll go buy hyper-targeted Facebook ads that say our company is amazing and only show it to people who work at that company. Right, and we'll do that for three days. I mean, there's like so many things that you can do now. We were, which we were just so talking easy. about this before yeah. we before we hit go. We were talking about a, a, a business idea and how to vet it. Yeah, and even there, the idea of like, buy Twitter ads and see if people will go to a page to right to. Uh, so that's it's interesting, and you actually use those, and you and you find oh yeah, you find success absolutely. People people say oh I saw I saw that it's weird I saw this ad and the, the thing is targeting is so powerful now. Uh, that people a lot of times don't even realize they, they consider it a coincidence, but it was anything but. I mean, we have multiple podcasts of our own, including my main show, Social Pros, which just yesterday won the uh, Content Marketing Award for Best Podcast Give in the up. World. So thank you. Very excited about that. Best Marketing Podcast in the World. And um, uh, we do a thing where when people come to any of the web pages associated with the show, we, we tag them with a, with a pixel. And then we have a, an ad campaign that shows every week who the guest is that week, right? So you'll see those ads on ESPN or whatever site you happen to be on. It uses a retargeting uh, uh, system from Google. And, and so, you know, we, we want you to tune in every week. And so you know who is on sure. the show that week. And my mom always calls me up and is like, hey, how come you're advertising on a knitting site? And I'm like, look, I'm not advertising on a knitting site. Like, Matt that's not our you, audience. Right. I mean, but she doesn't really understand, doesn't really understand the nature of retargeting, knitting, right? It's right. like they don't doesn't quite understand how that works technically. So uh, You're like, mom, because I'm brilliant. Yes, right. because I've decided that this is my, very this is proud my, of this is my niche, side. knitting. <laughs> These so are my people. There was a great Yahoo ad way back in the day where this guy, you know, he's knitting this, like, skull thing, and you can't figure out why this, you know, punk rocker is knitting a skull and then the camera pans back and he's sitting in this knitting circle with you know, six beautiful <laughs> women you're like i got it i'm on to you <laughs> yeah, this works i see what your real goal is yeah so uh you know it strikes me from a from a uh you know taking that and kind of converting it to recruiting uh recruiters a company could actually do something as simple as running a quick survey and just advertise it, advertise it out. They don't even need to know. They don't even need to give their company name. Yep. It could be a two question. Would you prefer to be reached you know, by, yeah. by name or anonymously, right? Something that simple to kind of test this idea of resonance or reach and to help get an idea of all right, what can that mix be? Yeah, and if you're, and if you're uncertain how to actually do that uh, operationally, Go sit with your marketing team for half an hour. Buy those guys cocktails and be like, "Hey, I'm trying to test those. How do I do it?" They'll tell you. Um, so that's something they I geek used out to, on that stuff. I used to do that uh, way back in the day when I was in the dot com boom. Uh, once a week, I would do a brown bag lunch, and I would invite a different department to join us. And whatever we happened to be working on, we, we just opened the conversation. So if it was a SWOT analysis on a competitor, if it was a problem internally, uh, it, it's so easy, and it's remarkable to me how few people actually will pick up the phone and call somebody in another department mm -hmm. and say. Yeah, just come on over. Like, you don't even need to present. Just come on over. We want to know you guys. And it, and how open folks generally are to that is it, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, we, so we've talked about trends. We generally see marketing expertise moving into the, the recruitment and, and HR side. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this notion of uh, don't worry about your employee saying something bad. That's usable feedback. You want to embrace that. That's how you're going to improve your company. Uh, this whole idea of... Uh, well, I should also say, let me just jump in there real quick, Jason. I should also say that uh, in the Hug Your Haters book, we've got tons of research that, that shows that negative reviews 
have a massive persuasive effect on consumers of everything, including Neg- physicians. So a negative persuasive uh, impact or an impact of, because it's honest. They right. see the- if, if people have all five-star reviews, it is distrusted at, at an unbelievably high level. So this you is- almost want, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not this, is, this is true science. You want to have some level of negativity because it makes the veracity of the entire information stream so much better that people are like, oh, okay, well, yeah, nobody's perfect. That makes sense to me. So you don't want to scrub that negative uh, content out there because it, it really does help. I think over the next couple of years, we're really going to see a separation between the enlightened companies and the, the non-enlightened companies. I think the non-enlightened, are, they're going to go right after concrete thinkers. They're going to go after what they see. Reviews, I want five stars because five stars is good. The enlightened guys are going to go, wait a second, there's a review system. Reviews are about trust. Feedback. I need I need trustable feedback, right? So good and bad. I want you, to use the whole I mean, scale. If somebody, let's, let's, let's take it out of a public review context, right? Uh, and let's say that that didn't exist like it used to, right? And somebody had feedback for you, whether they're an employee or a customer, and they call you. And they say, okay, I'd like, to, I'd like to deliver this feedback via telephone, which at one point was the only option. And hello? Uh, yes, I'd like to log a complaint. And you immediately... Hang up the phone right. because we only take we <laughs> only take calls. we only take five star phone calls here. <laughs> There's a despair right? ink poster right? about yeah. that. I mean, right? that's, I mean that's 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 literally what you're saying, right? Is that like we only choose to accept sure positivity? Well, uh, okay, can we do that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what people that's say. Actually, like, right? That sounds amazing. <laughs> I, can, yeah, I, I actually like, I'm thinking yeah. about that, and yeah. I know that's wrong, but it, it yeah. sounds really appealing. Well, you get the whole like, dear Yelp, can you please delete all the one star reviews about our business? Sure. Like, I talk to Yelp a lot for the book, and they're like, they get that email like every five minutes. Well, you know, and they're it, like, it's, uh, like, no, it's interesting not how this works. Feedback, feedback's kind of like food, right? Like the candy bars feel good going in, but they leave you empty half hour. The vegetables might taste a little better going down, but ultimately that's what's going to help you grow. Yeah, right. Uh, it's uh, but it's an interesting take, and uh, it's uh, and I think it's it's important. Uh, so hearing you talk about it and hearing you put that kind of emphasis on it is actually great to hear, because uh, I think it's a, a message that HR and recruiting really is just starting to open up to. Uh, so all important stuff, good stuff. Uh, that's exactly where I was. That's exactly where I was going. So one of the things that I mentioned uh, a little bit ago is this idea of uh, you know used to be candidate experience was really simple. I either got a thin envelope with a ding letter and I tacked it to my wall. I got a call inviting me for a follow up or I got an offer. Mm-hmm. Now it's far more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should the future of the ding letter be? Like if we if we take this resonance piece and the hug your haters piece, and we put them together. Mm-hmm. And we say we we can't hire everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have some people who are applying mm-hmm. for the wrong positions that are bad fits. Some people who actually, they're good, they just weren't the best or the time mm-hmm. wasn't right. And then, then there's offers. That middle group of, we don't want them now, but I like these people. Yeah. How do you hold on to them? Like, how do you... Here's what I would do if somebody asked me that question. In a, in somebody a, just did. In a, thank you. Somebody, <laughs> now, that some, now that somebody's asked me that question, <laughs> right? let me tell you what I would do. Uh, and, and, and again, this the, you know resource dependent, but this is exactly how I would solve that problem. Uh, I would um, find a way to contact those people in social. Hopefully you have gathered their, their Twitter account, their Facebook account, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for every one of the people who are in that pool, like not yet, but maybe, mm-hmm. I would create a custom two-minute video about what we liked about that candidate, what we didn't, what their strengths are, 
make it from an actual person at the company, somebody in HR and recruiting, and I would send a personal video to every single person, either with a link in a Twitter direct message, an email with a link to a private YouTube video, or some sort of other manifestation, and I would never send another physical letter for the rest of my life. That's what I would do. That's brilliant. We're going to move straight to the next topic because I, I have no follow-up on that. I think it's, I think it's well, if you look at well companies done. like Warby Parker, um, the eyeglass manufacturer, I'm actually sure. wearing, wearing Warby Parker now, they, they, they do that uh, in a marketing context, though. So when people, or customer service, really, people tweet them all the time and say, hey, I'm thinking about these glasses. You know, How do they look? Typically, what you do is you just tweet back and say, they look great. Now give us money. What they do in many cases, they actually create custom videos, just like I'm talking about, and say, oh, Julie, that's amazing, and you're great, and you should also look at these other ones, and they send links to the videos in the tweets. So not only is their conversion rate on that like 100%, but now this person is like, oh my God, let me tell you what happened, and that's why you do the custom video. Not because you want to make sure the person who got the maybe letter um, doesn't bail, it's because that person is going to tell their friends who are just as likely to be in the same industry, and it creates a shock and awe effect that creates a multiple on awareness and a multiple on your desirability as an employer. So you have specific feedback going to a candidate, so they know exactly where they stand. You have the connection with the candidate, and they feel appreciative that you're actually helping them. And maybe if they don't get this job, they, act, they, they know how to walk into the next one better. And it's that that you're saying people actually respond to and carry forward into their networks yeah. and what they remember. Yeah, because they're going to say, I, I applied for seven jobs. I got six letters and a custom video. Yeah, when, right. they're beer, when, <laughs> right. when they're out for beers with their friend, which story are they going to tell? Well, right? And if you, want, if you want to do recruiting more efficiently, you've got to get other people to tell your story. All right. right. So now you're using a word. This actually is the next topic I wanted to, to talk to you about. And we, we have time for one more topic. Um, storytelling is that topic. Uh, storytelling is something that we see increasingly uh, be important. It's something that, uh, that I've written about, we've spoken about. Uh, at work, you have a, an entire podcast on it. You, by the way, as an interviewee, like you're phenomenally easy because it's just like the promotions of your stuff. Just fit <laughs> it's you. like great content. Thank you. That's like, I've, I've started all these podcasts podcast. so that I can encourage them. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's called the Business of Story, which is not I don't actually which star it, on that show, but I produce it. It's uh, it's really great. Which I've heard, and it's and it is, and and the host of that show knows the science of stories, yes. which is which is yes. great. Uh, and one of the things that he talks about, and it, it, we're alluding to it in a lot of what we're talking about. Stories require conflict. No conflict, no story. No conflict, no story, no interest. In recruiting, I feel like the, uh, and I'm guessing there's an analog in marketing, uh, recruiting doesn't like conflict, right? Mm -hmm. they, even if you, you know, if you think about it from a, 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 mar a recruiter standpoint, I can see them going, all right, I want to embrace everybody, I want to hug everybody, I want to remove conflict, I want to, I want to uh, you know, get rid of the ding letters and send people these videos. How do, you, how do you take storytelling principles into a recruiting... Actually, no. How do you reestablish a culture in recruiting that's open to the conflict of stories? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, and, and I completely agree. Uh, and it's the same psychological scaffolding that, that makes people not want to see a one-star review or even a three-star review, right? Yeah. It's like, look, we want this to all be good. Uh, but, but the paradox is that, is that conflict is interesting and conflict is memorable. And conflict is persuasive, right? Um, and tension matters. Um, so uh, especially when you start talking about storytelling in recruiting context, it's in particularly important for younger potential employees, right? I mean, millennials and younger, they don't want, they don't want the grid of, of facts about the company the way, the way my generation did. They, they want the kind of seduction sure. storytelling part of it, right? I would, I would, actually, I would, I would argue our generation didn't want that grid either. 
Maybe we do now. <laughs> Maybe we do now because we're old. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's right. <laughs> our brains are chock full of stories. Yes. I, you know, yes. just give me, give me yeah. like a bunch how of about, bullets and show you. Yeah. I'm going to have the column with the most yeah. points. Maybe, you know, that's true. Maybe we lost our... Uh, we, we lost our wonder along the way. Right. You know, that right. does We're happen. Jaded. It does happen. <laughs> but no, I, I take the point that, that inherently, if you're going to tell a story that has conflict to make it interesting, you are at some level having to embrace the fact that your company is not perfect, right? Um, but I think the way you get around that is you don't tell you don't tell stories about the company was here and then it became here. The, the, the tension is a customer had this problem. That's mm. the tension. That's interesting. The company solved it this way, and therefore, the company's abilities, the company's values, the company's brand means this, and you want to be part of that team. So, Externalize so, the problem. Exactly. It's, you, you, you talk, you, HR and recruiting should be telling stories very similar to the stories that marketing tells, which is the customer had a problem, and the company sold it. Now, marketing says the company sold it, therefore, the company is good. HR says the company sold it, therefore the people of the company are good. It's sure. the same, same story thing. told slightly different for different reasons. That, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of uh, some of my favorite movies. And right in the, the protagonist, it's never the problem is the protagonist was an asshole. Right. Right. The, right. the problem happened to the protagonist, and they might not have been prepared right. to deal with it yes. at that time or that yes. way, and they had to grow personally to, yes. to deal with it. Um, but that's really interesting. Make sure that the, the conflict is externalized. That, I think, is key, because I think there's a lot of people that would love to embrace this notion of storytelling. I think it unlocks the resonance piece. and unlocks a lot. But if you're not open to that conflict, if you don't know how to be open to that conflict in a safe way, you're just it's, you're going to resist it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me that so much of what you see in HR and recruiting never talks about customers at all. It talks about the company and their infrastructure and their policies and their employees and well, their habitat for humanity or whatever. Isn't that what you want to go to work yeah, for? Yeah, I as, want to as work if, for the as if, best policies. As if there, <laughs> as if there are no customers. As if somehow right. that's not part of what you do here. It's really weird to me. That's interesting. You know? It's sure. like because ultimately that's who you're serving, right? The rest of this is just is just sort of a container for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, marketing is all about the customer and, and HR and recruiting like pretends they don't exist, which to me is is bizarre. That's interesting. Well, I think marketing has the opposite problem sometimes. Right. right. It's like this right. magical black box company goes right. and yeah, does there's no people stuff, here. It's right? just like yes, the the Borg fixed this. Right. Yeah. yeah the marketing slick is yes. so perfect that just reading yes. it will make your issues go away. Uh, Jay, that is uh, that is some incredible stuff. Uh, I could talk to you all day. I'd love to have you back on the program. Uh, for right now, I think we've probably jammed people's brains with more than they can handle. Uh, if folks want to learn more about your books and your podcast, where should they go? Uh, best place to go is convinceandconvert.com. You can find our blog and our podcast and uh, books. Uh, and for me personally, go to jaybear.com, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. Jay, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on Resonate today. Thanks, Jason. The Resonate podcast is supported by Recruiting Daily, the source for your news. Your news.